This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. mpbonline.org. MPB Think Radio. Good morning. It's Halloween weekend almost, and you're listening to the Gestalt Gardener here on Public Broadcast. Hey, folks, good morning. Failed to rush you here. We're going to be talking about gardening, and I know it's going to be a fun weekend. Chilly, but, you know, it's about time. Got my plants ready to be brought in. Hope you do. But for the next little while, we're going to talk about gardening. Emails, if you want to. Call in, which I'd prefer, and just sort of shoot the breeze about what's going on in your garden this interesting last weekend of November. Again, I'm Horticulturist Felder Rushing. This is the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting, and we're going to be talking about gardening in the South or wherever you happen to be gardening right after this. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Felder Rushing here. And before we go any further, I want to thank everybody who supports Mississippi Public Broadcast. And last week's drive time was a real success, and we appreciate all of you. And I personally appreciate all the folks who support this program. Thank you so much. We're going to whoop it up. I've got a whole bunch of guests lined up for the next few months, and we're going to just talk about gardening wherever you are. And I want to emphasize that, folks. This is a program that is for anyone who who likes to garden. I don't care if you're a member of a garden club or a plant society or a master gardener or just don't even like other people, but you like to dig around in the dirt or grow a few potted plants inside or maybe a a herb or two to to help spice up your food, whatever. If you like to mow grass and prune shrubs because you're that kind of person, I'm that kind of person too. I just don't do it. Got a grip on it. So whatever your gardening interests are, this is the place to be, especially if you live in the South. I get a lot of emails from people living in other places. I got one from Santa Fe, from, excuse me, Albuquerque, New Mexico this week, a lady who listens. And uh, we appreciate all that, but this is about gardening. No matter where you live, we just have to be in the South. Uh, there's a lot of things going on this weekend. I've got uh, someplace a list of things. I don't know where it is, but, uh, you know, we've got farmer's markets going on and uh, quite a few uh, uh, garden-related events. People getting ready for the holidays want to use natural decorations and things. <clears throat> and we can talk about that if you want to also. Uh, but mostly it's going to be a chilly weekend. It's certainly chilly this morning when that front moved through. And um, I've got some daffodil bulbs that are chilling. I've got them outside letting them cool down so that I can stick them in the ground this afternoon. And because we got a good rain, I'm just going to take a big stick with a pointed end. I'm just going to throw the daffodils where I want them. I'm going to take a pointed stick. I'm going to punch a hole in the ground, take the round end, and flip the bulbs over and poke them in, and I'm done. Mostly because I chose the kind of daffodils that like it here. You know, if you live in Michigan, you have daffodils. If you live in Mississippi, you have daffodils. But a lot of times it's not the same varieties because ours don't need as much cold. Those that need a long, cold winter just don't bloom as well here. So over the years, I've collected, oh, a couple of three dozen different varieties that not only bloom year after year with no care at all, they don't need to be divided or lifted or fertilized or any of that kind of stuff. How do I know? Because I dug them out of my great-grandmother's yard, and they've been blooming for over 50 years since anybody did anything to them at all. So that's the kind of bulbs I'm starting with. If you'd like to know more about spring bulbs or, or any kind of uh, any kind of bulbs for that matter, it's a real interesting topic, and we're going to have some bulb experts talking with us over the next uh, month or so. Uh, meanwhile, we're going to be talking about gardening. If you've got things on your mind, give us a call, 1-888-MPB, excuse me, 1-877-1877, count on my fingers here, MPB ring. I've got a few other things I'll share with you, but let's just talk. Uh, we've got David calling in. From down in Waveland on the coast. Hey, David, good morning. Hey, good morning to you. What's up? Fast uh, question. Is this a good time to start planting ryegrass? And second, can I just overlay it on top of my existing uh, yard? Uh, well, let me ask. Let me answer, answer them backwards first. Uh, it's not <laughs> a good. It's not a good idea to oversee St. Augustine or Centipede. Uh, it, okay. A lot of people like to do that, but what's good for the ryegrass or the fescue or whatever you use, whatever you use in the wintertime, what's good for it is bad for the St. Augustine and centipede, especially in the spring when they're trying to green up. 
So, you know, if you're going to, you know, just understand that, that uh, you need to hold back on the fertilizer on the ryegrass. Fertilize it once in December or January and then leave it alone. Cause, uh, it, and in the spring, when, you, every, when your neighbor's yards are starting to green up, start mowing the ryegrass so it doesn't shade out the new shoots of your, your existing lawn. Second question is, the seeds need to be in contact with the dirt or else they'll sprout up in thin air. And it's hard to get the seeds down to the ground unless you uh, throw it out there, maybe mix it with some sand. You know, if you mix the seeds with sand, it's a lot easier to spread. And then take the back of a rake or something and just, uh, you know, rub it over the air to knock the seeds down onto the dirt so it's not caught up in the grass. And uh, your first question is, it's not the time to start. It's the time to start wrapping it up. So I'd get right on it. Oh, okay. More than you wanted to know, huh, David? <laughs> no, that was exactly what I wanted to know. Thank okay, you. man, you betcha. I've got neighbors who just overseeded their lawn. It looks really, really good. It's lush. They 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 put the seeds down pretty thick. And they fertilize it and they're mowing it. Really, really looks good. But uh, come springtime, they're not gonna have any St. Augustine left because what they're doing for their ryegrass, their fertilizing and stuff like that. Uh, causes problems for St. Augustine Centipede. Just one of those things. A lot of people do it. Some people get away with it sooner or later. It's just one of those odds things. Uh, we're going to go to Brookhaven. Hi, Philip. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you? Good, 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 good. What's up? Um, I've got a qu- I've got two daylily beds that mm-hmm. need to be reworked, and I was wanting to know when it would be a good time to dig those bulbs up. Well, luckily with daylilies and irises, you can move pretty much any time. Those, I mean, even in the summertime. So uh, and right now it's kind of cool out there. It'd be a lot easier to work, especially if you got some of that rain last night. But uh, I go, you know, you can move though. You can dig them, set them. What I would do is dig them up, David. I mean, Philip, and put them in uh, plastic bags and set them off to one side, and they'll stay just like that till you get around to reworking the bed. Hello. I, I don't know if he heard that or not. I hope he did. Anyway, yeah, you can dig daylilies anytime. That's no problem whatsoever. Now, I was I was down in Mobile this past week at the um, University of Southern Alabama, and uh, Susie, you're calling from Mobile. What's up? Oh, hi, um, Felder. I have. Uh, it's so nice to talk with you. Well, thank um, you. I had uh, an unusual thing happen, and of course they've kind of gone. They're going dormant now. But I have a bunch of four o'clocks butterfly garden type thing, uh-huh. and this one four o'clock. Um, it took me until they were almost done blooming before I actually realized that this one four o'clock had a solid pink bloom, a solid white bloom had each color with an opposing blotch on it, yeah. also had a, a pink and white peppermint uh, striped bloom yeah. all at the same time. Yeah, that's that's really, it's, it's not that unusual for four o'clocks. I was raised Great. with these things. And some people select them out because they want just one color, and they year after year they pull up anything that's not the color they want. But uh, they cross-pollinate pretty easily, and the seed, the genetics of it are, it's not like people. You can have either blue eyes or brown eyes, you know, one of those kind of things. Uh, these can have all sorts of mixes, the, the flower color breaks. And it's just, uh, it's an unstable genetic thing, and I think it's kind of cool. So, but it's all on the same plant? Sometimes on the same flower. It's not unusual at all to have half yellow and half red on one flower. Well, well I'm talking about having the, the, the same, the the different colored flowers yeah yeah each flower being different that's a usual thing because i've never for for four o'clocks i mean i i I don't see it on other flowers but four o'clocks this is i mean it's something i was raised with i've got so many different pictures of four o'clocks that have unusual breaks you know on the same plant all yellow all red or yellow and red you know that kind of thing all in the same flower same plant well, I remember them from um, my grandmother when I was a child, mm-hmm. and um, my grandfather worked at the shipyard, and he would get off at 3 o'clock. And so she would bring, you know, we'd go pick up Granddaddy and have dinner, and then he'd go out and work in his garden until it was too dark. And um, the way the way that I was taught to tell time, I remember this from <laughs> pre-kindergarten even, she said, when you see the 4 o'clocks open, time to go time get Granddaddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, here, here, here's hoping that, well, that was before daylight saving time, of course. Yes, sir. And uh, by the way, uh, four o'clocks, are, they're one of my favorite plants. Uh, I'm glad Mine you brought too. it up. It's called, you know, they make a tuber like a big sweet potato in the ground. 
But uh, well, Tom, that's what I was going to say. Can I? I can dig up that tuber, right? Oh and yeah. If I want to keep this one, I'm going to put it in the pot. <laughs> well, you you don't have to. Uh, you know, it, it will it will come back. You know, what I would do is I would clear the other plants from around it. Because you know right. they they come up from seed, they'll crowd themselves out with seedlings. But you know, I, you know, if you like it, I'd leave it in the ground because it'll do better there than in a pot. Well, but I'm going to be moving. Oh, and okay. I want to take it with me. Where are you moving so to? I... If I can ask. I'm sorry, say again. Where, where are you moving to? To where are you moving? Well, I'm moving from one side of Mobile to the other side. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, be sure. I'm Mobile. I moved back here from a long way away because I grew up here and I moved away to a big city. And yeah. after one of those days of sitting in traffic, I said, I didn't realize how good I had it. Well, Man, I can grow turnip greens and catch fish and make cornbread. That's I'm right. Going back to you're, just a, you're just a country girl, Susan. Let me throw out a couple of other things. Go ahead and collect some seeds from that plant. You know, the little grenade-looking seeds, because they will probably be just like the parent with lots of different kind of stuff. You know, that's that's okay. that's another way to save it. But, you know, Thomas Jefferson called that the marvel of Peru. And uh, it's just, uh, you said for a butterfly guard, these things are among the best for not only hummingbirds late in the afternoon, oh, yeah. because, they, you know, hummingbirds just crowd to it right before dusk. But also there's a great big moth that comes out at night that's about the size of your hand. You ever seen yes, that? I have one. Um, in fact, uh, on a dried plant, and I actually have the uh, the chrysalis from which it, it emerged. Well, you That's know what? It you came know. in with one of my house plants. Yeah, but and, guess uh, what? Unfortunately, you... it didn't live very long. But I have the moth itself with the plant and the the little thing, and I'm going to give it to my nephew when he comes. But let me ask you this: Do you know what that moth is? You know what its larvae is? Um. It's T- a tomato hmm, hornworm. I do, but I can't think of it. It's a tomato <laughs> hornworm. Oh, no. <laughs> it is. No. We got to scoot, Susie. Have fun, okay, lady? I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing. We're listening to the Gestalt Garden. We're doing it. We are the Gestalt Gardener here this morning. We're going to be back with more of it right after this. Meanwhile, a little creepy music for the Halloween weekend. You're listening to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. MPB Think Radio podcast. MPBonline.org. MPB Think Radio. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. It's a, it's a blustery day out there, but we're going to be talking about gardening. If you want to give us a call, the numbers are toll free 1 877 672 7464. I have a hard time remembering numbers. It's just, I don't know. 877-672-7464. It's easier to remember 877-MPB-RING. That's the way we're going to remember it until I'm told otherwise, because I just can't remember the numbers. Uh, The farmer's market's going on right now. I know it's a little chilly out there, but there's a lot of cool stuff going on. This is a great time to pick up last-minute deals on, on pumpkins and stuff. But keep in mind, you can use a Sharpie pen or a magic marker to draw a face on a pumpkin and then eat the pumpkin later, or else you can just scoop it all out and have fun with it. Halloween's not just for carving, it's also for eating. Now, we're going to go down to north of Hattiesburg and talk with Jimbo. Good morning, Jimbo. How are you? Good morning. I've got a question about multiplying onions. Okay. i got got about a half dozen of them in my little old garden, but I, I reckon I just don't know how to take care of them. Huh. They, they're not multiplying, and I wanted to dig them up and move them to a better area yeah. to try to get some better soil. Can you tell me when I need to do that and yeah. Kind of yeah, this, tell me what I need to do? Yeah, this is the time, and the thing about it, Jimbo, is plant them shallow. You know, don't you know? Plant, plant them with the you know a little bit of that bulb is actually showing. They'll they'll spread better as long as they've got pretty good dirt that doesn't stay wet. They'll do fairly well. But but get this. And dry them. Is this the time of the year to do that too? Well, this is the time when most people are planting them, and then they dig them up and dry them in the spring when they start. You know, they kind of go down for the summertime, so they're really an over the winter type of thing. 
But if you wanted to dig some up, Jimbo, and dry them, you know, and plant some and save some to plant again in, you know, February or March, that might work. But uh, most people are planting multiplied inches right now. I'm going to dig them up and put them in a, in a better place. I, I appreciate your help. Let, let me let me throw out one other thing, Jimbo. This this sure. might help. Uh, you know, onions don't have a very deep root system. They're real shallow. So if mm-hmm. you when you fertilize them, don't be heavy. Be light, but do it two or three times. So Because, you know, when you put fertilizer out there, it washes right past the roots. So it's better to uh-huh. sort of spoon feed them a little bit. You know, a little bit of fertilizer uh, every uh, three or four weeks rather than a whole bunch at once. That might help, too. Talking about like triple eight or ten? No, I, you know I really wouldn't use those uh, on these because the 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 phosphorus and potash in that are are pretty strong, but the type of nitrogen, which is ammonium nitrate, it's real sharp, it's real harsh, real strong, and then it's gone. Uh, what I would use would be something you know more like a uh, a regular. Hmm, uh, you know, you might want to just hit them with a little Miracle Grow every three or four weeks. That might help. But, that, uh, the, that's a good idea. Yeah, the tri- triple thirteen, triple eight are really too strong, and and the nitrates are too temporary for for shallow rooted things like like uh, like onions and multiplied onions. Well, I, I appreciate your help. All right, Jim, you betcha, man. Thanks for calling. Yeah, Jimbo, talking about multiplying onions. I got an email from somebody the other day looking for some, and most of the places are out of them. I grow mine in a pot with some potting soil. And I use a little of that slow-release Osmocote fertilizer, you know, just those little fertilizer beads, because that way every time it rains or I water, it gives them just a little fertilizer. My rule of thumb for fertilizer, folks, are real simple. Whatever the directions call for is twice too strong. I always use fertilizer at half strength. It keeps the plants lean and mean rather than lush and and, uh, overgrown and all. Um, Let's go up to... uh, I got my bifocals on. Citronelle, Alabama. Hey, Joy, where's Citronelle? It's in North Mobile County. Okay. Well, what's up? Well, I have a question about pruning. Um, my gardenias and my sweet olive bushes have gotten real wild and um, woolly, and I want to take them down a notch, but I don't want to mess up next year's bloom. So when is the appropriate time to prune gardenias and sweet olives? Okay, well, now, gardenias bloom on new growth, so you can prune those pretty hard in the wintertime or the spring. You could even prune them in the summertime, and they'll put out new growth and bloom. So don't worry okay. about the gardenias. The sweet olives, a lot of times, sometimes they'll bloom in the spring, but they usually bloom the late summer, fall, early winter. They're blooming now. So, yeah, they, they bloomed a couple weeks ago, yeah. and um, the, the blooms have kind of fallen off, and the smell's kind of gone away. So yeah. um, uh, I really wanted to get at them this weekend if I could. Well, here, here's what I would do. Now, now, just follow me on this. If you cut them back really hard, they're going to just mm-hmm. sit there all winter. It's going to make you unhappy. It's going to make the neighbors talk about you. Mm-hmm. It's better to do you know pretty good pruning in the late winter or spring, closer to when they normally put out new growth. That's better for the okay. plant. And you can do this, you know, even after they start leaving out in the spring. You know, if you're going to cut a twig off in the winter time, yes, sir. It doesn't hurt to cut the same twig off a month later when it's got new growth on it. Cutting it off is cutting it off. Don't worry about the new growth. But what okay. you can do right now is thin out the stuff that's really bothering you. Make a few selected cuts. You know, if you'll read, if you'll, some of the tall stuff, if you'll follow it, you'll see a lot of it's all connected into one branch. And by selectively cutting in the plant, cutting a few uh, branches here and there, takes out a lot of the wild and woolly stuff. And that'll get you, buy you some time till spring. Okay, well, thank you so much. Okay, Joy, thank you. Appreciate it. By the way, I was at the Mobile uh, flower sh- uh, the, uh, plant sale at the Mobile Botanic Garden the other day and uh, ran into my old friend Tommy Dodd and his wife, and they're really hardcore in the native plants. Uh, also, uh, my old friend Bill Finch, who writes for the paper down there, he does a lot of work with native plants, and Mobile is a real hot spot on that. I want to throw this out. Um, if you're going to uh, go trick-or-treating, or if you're going to have trick-or-treaters coming, think about night lighting, low-voltage night lighting. I don't sell stuff, folks, but you get a night lighting kit, plug it in, it's safe, and you can have it where it shines on steps without shining into people's eyes. So if you're going to expect trick-or-treaters, go out tonight or tomorrow night or Sunday night and look at your lighting, see if you can see the steps, and also make sure that some lights aren't shining in your eyes because you know the steps are if visitors don't. No need to have trick-or-treaters and spills and that kind of stuff. I got an email from uh, from uh, Professor Steve Newman. I've known Steve, uh, Dr. Steve, for a long time. He was at Mississippi State. Now he's at Colorado State. He said, here's a plant puzzle for my front garden. <laughs> he sent me a picture of a chrysanthemum in his front yard that 
half of it was blooming, exactly half was not. And he wanted to know what the problem was. It was a test, and I passed it. I said, Steve, you're not, your porch light is causing the lighting to be stronger on one side than the other, and they're, they're light sensitive. So I passed this test. Take that, Steve. Now, let's go to um, near Boonville. Are you with me, Shirley? Yes, I am. Good morning. Good morning. What's up? I wish you could look at my, it's so beautiful with the hickory trees and the uh, dogwoods changing color. And, you know, hickories are so yellow and dogwoods are so oh, red. Oh, gorgeous. They're just, you know, it's just a treat to sit and look out the window at them. And uh, and the crab, flowering crab apple is, you know, everything's just changing color so pretty. And, you know, I can gorgeous. hear the I can hear the wind in your yard through your wind chime. Oh, oh, that's that's a clock. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. <laughs> that, well, that, that's a grand, uh, we're not a grandfather clock, a man clock, yeah. but I think that's what, because actually I don't have a wind chime, but, well, but what can, what anyway, can, my camellia bushes are, uh, the yuletide and all, everything is just blooming so pretty right now. Well, that's good. It's, the, it's uh, a good time to uh, be the out there, too. burning bushes, all that's just, you know, it's just like looking at a giant picture. You got a you got a di- Shirley, you got a digital camera? Uh well, uh, somebody in the family does. I don't do I don't do computers get a, or digital get, anything, get a, but get it a, is cool. Get them to take a picture and send it to me. It sounds wonderful. I have 30 acres and uh yeah. anything well, that's for uh birds or butterflies, that's that's how I select, yeah. you know. And well, of course we had uh hickory trees and oak trees. It's a lot of I don't know if it's virgin, but they're old. We don't we don't cut down trees. We just add yeah. trees. If well, listen, Shirley, it sounds beautiful. I wish you'd get somebody to take some pictures of it. We got to scoot. We got a break coming up. Got some other callers, but it sounds beautiful. And thank you for sharing it with us. Well, what's I what's your two question? Maple trees that I bought from the, you know, the, um, well, co-op. I guess right. you say right. And they were little, but I put them too close together. One, my husband kept mowing down, and uh-huh. it's smaller. But he finally quit, and it's up, but they're too close together. So what you going to uh, do about what, it? Can I move that now? Uh, I would wait till they drop their leaves. I'd wait till we get okay. us some good cold weather. And by the way, Shirley, it doesn't hurt to leave them side by side. It happens in the woods. It's okay to, to, to have a, a two-trunk tree close. To, it doesn't hurt at all for them to grow close You're together. like mm, six, eight feet apart. You can have them two feet apart. You know what happens in the woods? It doesn't hurt a tree. You know, only only... Only university-type people tell you every plant's got to have its own space. But out in the woods, sometimes it grows side by side, and it's perfectly okay. What you might want to do, instead of boogering one of them up by moving it, is just put something else in between them, like a nandina or something, and let it be a, a like a little grove of maples. Nandinas that come up from a, you know, yeah. seed. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, we got to scoot, Shirley. We're going to have a break coming up real soon. But um, if you want to move it, you can after a frost. Otherwise, I'd just leave it out there. Now, let me see. We need to go down to Gulfport. Hey, Rebecca, thanks for calling. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Good. What's up? Um, We bought a place um, a couple of months ago, and in the backyard are some plants um, that I can't identify. They grow straight up. They're green. They almost look like a corn stalk, but instead of the leaves growing, you know, sort of laying, they lay flat. Almost looks like your hand if you hold it straight up. Mm -hmm. And they're real tall. They're about four feet tall. And right at the top is a bunch of white flowers that smell almost like a gardenia, but I don't know what they are. Mm. I was wondering if you could tell me. I can't <laughs> just from your description, but do you have a digital camera? I do. Send me a picture because I'm sure it may be uh, one of the unusual kind of gingers that spreads around on the Gulf Coast. That the, but uh, I bet you if you send me a picture, we can find out what it is. Okay. That's I'll the best that. way. I do that a lot, too. And if I don't, Rebecca, I'll send it to somebody who can help us both out. So just email it to you? I can email yeah. it on my phone. Gar- oh, I don't know about it on the phone. I can't do that. You got to, can you do it at, hmm. No, I mean, I can take a picture on my phone and email oh, yeah. it to yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, garden at mpbonline.org. Garden at mpbonline.org. That's it. And uh, then once we find out what it is, we can find out what you can do with it, whether you can move it or, you know, how to propagate it, that kind of stuff. Okay? Great. All righty. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate it. Uh, by the way, I got a, uh, an email from Deborah in Mobile. She said, I grew Georgia collars last year, and they grew well, and according to those in my house that eat them, <laughs> were extremely tasty. I planted some collars this year, but the leaves looked more like French lace than collars. What kind of critter 
is doing this. Uh, it's going to be the larvae of a butterfly, a little white butterfly. If you've got collards or cabbage or broccoli, those kind of things, there's a white butterfly. It's really a moth. I don't know if it's a moth or a butterfly. Anyway, it's white. Lays eggs on the bottom of the leaves, and the little green caterpillars will turn the leaves into lace. They're hard to control unless you spray something on the bottom of the leaves where the caterpillars are. And there is a safe material. It's a, it's a type of insect. It's a type of biological worm control. Matter of fact, most garden centers carry it. It's called BT, which is short for a, I don't even want to get into it. It's a biological worm spray. You mix it with water. Put a little dish detergent in the spray to help it spread out. Stick on those slick leaves and spray the bottom of the leaves. It'll kill the, the caterpillars without being a poison to, to you or the birds that might eat the caterpillars. Now, let's see what's up with Chuck. Chuck's on the road. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm just fine. Elder, how about, Elder, how about good, you? Good, 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 good. What's going on? Well, I got a question. It kind of ties into a young lady a little while ago about the gardenias and sweet olives. I've got a beautiful brattle tree. When can I cut it back and how severely can I cut it back? When You, you said rattle tree? Is that the one that kind of a reddish flower? Oh, bridal wreath, uh, spirea, uh, after it blooms in the spring. After it blooms in the spring, yeah. it's coming back. Uh, all, okay. all of next year's flowers are on those stems right now. Everything you cut right now, they go the flowers. So uh, I'd wait till okay. spring. That's what I was worried about, and I'm glad I called you. Thank you, sir. Okay, you bet. Oh, and Chuck, just like I told uh, the other lady, you know, you can selectively thin out some of the tall arching stuff and leave some of it unpruned if it's just too, too, too unruly. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. You betcha. Appreciate it. Um, we've got a, a, a another caller, but we've got a break coming up, and so if you would just uh, sort of hang tight till we come back after the cheesy music of the day, I think you're going to like it. It's something you have never heard on public radio ever before. Hope my daughter's listening. Um, I got an email from Tammy Howard. It said, "What do you think about using rubber playground mulch?" around flowers and plants. I think about using around the house instead of pine straw twice a year, which is getting pricey. Is a recycled shredded rubber mulch safe? Well, yes, it is. It is safe, but it does nothing to feed the soil. It has no benefits to the plants. Uh, I would rather you use shredded bark, which lasts a lot longer and feeds the soil. But the rubber is safe for plants. It just, it just does nothing else. That's all it does. Anyway, you're listening to Public Broadcasting, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're going to take a break, listen to the cheesy music of the week, seasonal, of course, and we're going to be back with more of your phone calls, a few more emails. If you get a chance, go to felderrushing.net and scroll down and look at what my daughter Zoe did, turning me into a green man. Felderrushing.net, scroll down to the green man and take it from there. We'll be right back. You're listening to Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Shut 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. MPBonline.org. MPB Think Radio. Okie doke. Welcome back, folks. This is Halloween. When was the last time you heard Marilyn Manson on public radio? Yeah. Hot dog. My daughter would be proud. Uh, Zoe is a, she's a cosmetologist, and I got her to fix me up like a green man. If you don't know what a green man is, uh, just Google green man. Uh, it's an old, old, old thing that's carvings in, in, uh, in churches all over Europe with uh, pictures of a face with leaves and vines that have grown out of their mouth and ears. It has all sorts of religious symbolism and stuff. But anyway, she got me painted up like one and is knocked out. Find a pictures of it at felderrushing.net. Also, you'll find if you scroll down on the left-hand side, you'll see um, a picture of a guy named Jim Powell, who I call the Transcendent Gardener. His garden has been featured in Southern Living Magazine. It's been on HGTV. It's been in House and Garden Magazine, which is, you know, Martha Stewart-level stuff. But uh, this past week, the city told him he's going to have to clean it up because it looks trashy. <laughs> And we went to bat. We talked, met with the city inspectors. We went, met with the city attorney. And they're going to talk about it over the weekend. And what I said was, and it's not meant to be a threat, it's just a promise, that if Jim's garden is considered bad, I've got all the elements of design, all the plants. You know, our gardens are almost identical. And if his garden has got problems, then my garden's got problems. It's that old algebra. If A is equal to B and B is equal to C. So my point is, and I told him that if his garden has got problems, they're going to have to take me down with them. And I'm going to be real loud about it. (laughs) Folks, it is okay to have a cottage garden in town. When they say that vegetation can't be over six inches tall, I hope that they don't apply that to daylilies and irises too. Anyway, Good luck, Jim. I'm on your side because you're between me and them. Let's go to uh, Summerall. Judith, you've been hanging on for a long time. Thank you so much. How are you? I'm doing fine. What can I help you with? Yes, I have a question. Uh, I have uh, what is what someone told us is a Japanese plum uh-huh. that I, we got about five years ago. It's quite tall now, and um, the problem is uh, in the last probably couple of years, there's the buds come out for flowers. The flowers come out, but we've never gotten any fruit. And yeah. I don't know if it's because the weather is cooler now, up it, here. Well, let me ask you, this one with the, the kind of a big fuzzy leaves? Uh, yes. Yeah. Um, that's, it's, uh, it, it blooms too early here. It's a great plant, and I've seen it have fruit in Jackson. Okay, which is north of where you are. So I know that it can fruit, but if we have a late frost or a late freeze, which we often do, that kills the flowers. It it just blooms too early is all. Oh, I see. So uh, it's one of those that does better, you know, the Gulf Coast and, you know, Florida, California, places that are not frost-free, but that late freeze is what gets them because they just bloom. They bloom almost in the wintertime, and that's right. that's the big problem with them. But it's a great plant. Even if it doesn't have fruit, it's great, great, great. Big old texture plant. Looks good. And when they do, have you ever eaten these things? Uh, yes, someone gave us some um, down, well, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Very good. Got a lot of seeds in them, but it's, it's real nice. Some years they'll make, some years they won't just because that late frost thing. Okay, well, I appreciate your information. Okay, Jude. Thanks for calling. Appreciate it. 
Now, I'm trying to remember the other name for Japanese plum. Japanese plum. What is the other name for that? I can't remember. Somebody text or give us a call. Japanese plum. Mm, I'm just drawing total blank. Let's go back to Jackson. Hi, Wayne. Good morning. Hello. Hello. Hey, good morning, Wayne. What's up, man? Uh, Somebody gave us a succulent that they called a jade plant. Oh, yeah. Just brought it in from the outside. Uh, Should we fertilize it anyway well here's the deal the jade plant uh is native it's a tropical plant it'll freeze outside of course yeah we 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 figure that yeah but here's the other thing it's a tropical desert plant and if you water it it'll rot off right at the soil line so my wife has watered it very sparingly yeah well what i would do is i would give it a up i would have her water it twice a few minutes apart when she waters it water it lightly and then come back with a second watering and then let it get and stay dry before you soak it again over the winter time it's not going to grow very much because of the lower light lower temperatures all that kind of stuff so if you can put it in a south window or a west window it gets plenty of sunlight and just water it i wouldn't push it with fertilizer over the winter time let's wait till spring what fertilizer should we use in the spring Oh, uh, well, I mean, just any, for all of my potted plants, I don't sell stuff. A lot of people know this. I don't sell stuff, but I tell what I use. I use a product called Osmocote. It's a widely available little fertilizer bead. One little bitty scoop per year is all it takes. Every time you water it, automatically fertilize A little bitty light uh, amount of Osmocote for all of my potted plants. And that way they don't have to worry about whether I remember to feed them or not. Okay. Good Thank luck. You. Oh, oh, uh, and for some reason, Wayne, if it does start to have any problems, uh, it looks like it's going to rot or something, you can break the branches off, let them dry completely out, and then pot those up and start some oh. new plants. Okay. All righty. Have fun, Wayne. Appreciate it. Thank you. I just thought of something as far as indoor plants. You know, this is a good time of year to, to think about middle of winter. Go to a garden center this weekend and get some paper white bulbs, paper white narcissus, uh, paper white daffodils. What is it? Narcissus tazetta is the Latin name. Paper whites, you can keep them till you're ready to plant them. Put them in a little bowl of water with the water just touching the bottom of the bulb and maybe some gravel or Mardi Gras beads or beads, something to keep them upright. And when you put just enough water to touch the bottom of the bulb, they'll sprout roots and they'll bloom within three weeks in a pot indoors. It's a real cool little trick. And if you want to know more about it, shoot me an email. I'll be glad to give you a little trick about how to add alcohol to the water to make them bloom shorter and stubbier instead of long and tall and floppy. Now, I'm going to go to uh, here and stay in here in Jackson and see what Larry's up to. Hey, man, what's going on? Uh, how you doing? Fine. Thank uh, you for taking my call. You bet. I got a fig tree I bought a couple of weeks ago, and and I don't know when to plant it. When when's the best time to plant it? Uh, just a, a regular fig tree, right? Right. Uh, just any time you can dig a wide hole. Here, here's the trick with 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 figs, Larry. They need a wide hole. If you stick your arm straight out, and wiggle your fingers, you got the idea of how a fig wants to grow its roots, wide and shallow. So. Uh, anytime you can dig a good hole, you know, at least three or four feet wide, maybe sort of rough up the edges. And when you pull it out uh-huh. of the pot, loosen up the potting soil and the roots so it's not just going f- straight from the pot into the ground. And then when you get it planted, cover the whole area real thick with real natural tree leaves, foot deep, all the way around it. Okay. And uh, but it'll grow roots like you wouldn't believe and take it from there. Okay. All right. Appreciate it, man. All right, thank you very much. Bye bye. The numbers are one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four one eight seven seven MPB ring. You can also email garden at mpbonline dot org. Um, Tom called from Hattiesburg. Said Japanese plum is loquat. Of course, you know. Wait a second. Let's see if we can hear this. Listen to this. Can you hear me smacking my head? Yes, indeed, loquat. Good looking plant. Even if it never makes fruit, it's a good looking. Big, big, really a large shrub rather than a small tree. Thank you for that, Tom. Uh, I got an email, by the way, from Ellen Newsom, who sent in something uh, that she got on the Internet. The Charlotte International Airport is about to get a lot creepier and crawlier, too. Uh, Airport's putting in a worm-based compost system as part of the new recycling center. They're going to open in February. They're going to have hundreds of pounds of worms munching away on a ton or so of the what, what the, the traveler's trash every day. Uh, so they're going to take 
the the stuff from the restaurants and they're going to have worms turn it into compost and they're going to use the compost as fertilizer. How about that? They're talking about food scraps and paper waste and bathroom towels and that kind of stuff. So it's going to be um, uh, pretty interesting. Over the next five years, they're expecting to save the airport about a million dollars in waste disposal costs. That's what they're going to do with worms. Uh, by the way, um, some years ago, I got involved in a, a competition out in California. They have an annual earthworm cooking contest out there. <laughs> Email me sometime, and I'll tell you about it. worm quiche. We'll be back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on public Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after listening to a little bit from the day the earth stood still. is an MPB Think Radio podcast. mpbonline.org. MPB Think Radio. All righty, folks, welcome back. Bella Rushing here, Gestalt Garden. Let's see, let's do a little numbers game. The number backwards is 467 Okay, that's that's backwards. One eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Got the lines wide open. Got ten or eleven minutes just to yak with folks. So give us a call. One eight seven seven MPB ring. Um, got a uh, had an interesting thing yesterday. Rick Griffin, who's a, a frequent guest here, um, at landscape architect, teaches a landscaping class at Millsaps. I do little gardening classes. He teaches landscaping classes, and we cross with you know, we go back and forth. Sometimes he helps me, I help him. But he took his new class. He's teaching a class this semester, about half over, uh, called frugal gardening. Frugal gardening, which is gardening on the cheap. And uh, he, he took his cl- brought his class over to my garden yesterday because between Rick and me, we have garden on the cheap. I got so much stuff in there that's recycled, reused, uh, repurposed, so many different things. My, my, my walkways are made out of broken up concrete. Uh, you know, they're just my recycled containers. Uh, but also I showed them how to recycle and be frugal with plants, how to divide plants, how to root plants, how to root plants in water, how to collect seeds. It's one of the easiest ways to be frugal in the garden. And typically when you get plants that are easy to propagate, you end up with more of them and more interesting stuff. Anyway, plant propagation is a skill set involved, but a lot of it's not that difficult to do. If you can crack your fingernails, you can divide daylilies and monkey grass and irises and all that stuff. Anyway, let's see what Frank's up to. He's calling from Loosedale. Hey, Frank, good morning. Good morning. What's up? How guy? are you? Excelente. What's up? I I was looking for some recommendations about strawberries. Is now the time to plant them, and do you have any uh, hints about how to grow a good crop? Oh, well, a couple of things. First of all, strawberries grow best over I mean, they, they, they bloom and they sit in the spring and they set fruit in spring and early summer. See, so this is a good time to set them out. Actually, last month would have been a good time uh, because they'll get established. Well, so anyway, the the strawberries that you buy, Frank, are going to have a few flowers and a few berries next year. But really what you're buying is year after next because next year they're going to send out runners, which will make new plants. So you need to plant these things far enough apart to where their runners will have place to root in between the plants. Okay, how far is far enough apart? Oh, six or eight inches, something like that. And, okay. uh, and, and get this, they're going to have a lot of weeds. So when you plant them, lift up the leaves, sort of like pulling up a hair into a ponytail or something, and tuck a bunch of mulch up on it, and then let the leaves fall down over the top of the mulch. That'll get them through the wintertime, and next year the runners, will they'll be able to find their way through the mulch. Uh, and one other thing, Frank, don't think of these as a permanent planting. What a lot of people do is they'll have a double-wide row, and they'll plant strawberries uh, you know, on one side and then train the runners to grow over to the other side. 
And then the next year, they'll plow up the first side and let the next year runners run. So they, they let the row move back and forth across the top of a row, keeping new plants coming on every year. That keeps them getting crowded and roly-polies and snakes and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So think of them as a two-year crop and let them move back and forth and back and forth, you know, across the top of a row every year. Okay. Well, listen, we enjoy your program. We appreciate it. Uh, God bless. Thank you. Thanks for being part of it. Now, let's go to Oklahoma, up in the north Mississippi. Hey, Marcella, what's going on in Oklahoma? Uh, hey, it's sprinkling uh, a little rain down here. Very cloudy. I think we're going to have a rainy day today. How uh, are you doing? Fine. And, and as soon as that rain passes through, it's going to get cold. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, well, what can I help you with? Yes, I have a question about, I'm not sure the real name of this bush. I call it um, a hummingbird butterfly bush. Mm-hmm. It has little uh, yellow bell-like blooms that come on it, and it's. Uh, I was wondering when should I really cut that back during the fall or spring? Well, I see. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is. If you had a if you had a digital camera, could send me a picture of it. We could say exactly what it is. But my general rule of thumb is to don't prune anything hard in the fall. Because okay. because they tend to get a little bit more winter damage than if you leave them and then prune them in the late winter or spring. Now, that's just a good general rule of thumb. Since it blooms in the summertime, then that tells me it's okay to prune it in the late winter or the spring. It'll put out new growth and bloom again. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so it attracts butterflies and the hummingbirds, you know, during the summer. Yeah, but but still, without seeing a picture of it, you know, I'm not, there's a lot of experts who will guess. I'm just not that kind of guy. But uh, I'd like to find out what it is. Have you had it very long? In the fall, do it. In the spring, I'm yeah. kind of losing you. I'm on a cell phone. Yeah. S- send me an email with a picture of it, Marcella. Then we can take it from there. Uh, and by the way, our email is gardenedmpbonline.org. Now, let's go down to the Gulf Coast. Man, we are scooting all over the state. Hey, John, good morning. Hey, good morning, Father. What's up? Uh, I had a question about watermelons. Uh, I've tried to grow them the last two years, and um, right before the fruits reach maturity, they tend to start rotting on the bottom. Uh, do you have any idea what this could be? Uh, you mean on the very bottom or on the end of it? Uh, on the bottom where the plant actually touches the ground. Huh. Um, I really don't. Uh, one thing you might want to try, you know, normally this isn't a problem unless you're watering a lot. I don't know if you water, but if you water more than every couple of weeks, that's too much. Uh, usually, oh, really? that's good. yeah. Uh, I mean, people watermelons grow out in fields, you know, so uh, yeah. you know they don't need all the. If you're watering a lot, that's going to cause some problems. If you feel like you got to, then what I would do is plant them in hills next year, and then water just that area and the part where the watermelons are running. Don't water it. You might also want to get you some, uh, like a piece of cardboard or something like that. And when melons are coming on, just lift it up gently. Put a piece of cardboard so it's not sitting right on the dirt. That might help. And and let me throw out one other weird tip. When you plant these things, John, if you'll get you like some cola bottles, you know, big plastic cola bottles, and punch some holes, little holes in the bottom of and bury them about halfway in the ground right by the seeds, then what you can do is come out uh, when you want to water and just fill those cola bottles up with water, and it'll slowly seep out the holes in the bottom, and, for, and it'll water just the roots of the plants. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Thank you, Felder. Okay. Good luck on it. You know, as far as the emails, I've been trying my best to keep up with them, and I think I'm pretty well caught up on them. So anytime you want to send an email, if you got a picture or something like that, I'll be glad to help you as much as best I can. Uh, got an email from Carl, um, excuse me, Nancy Cohen, uh, lives in Macomb, wants to plant a Confederate rose, wants to know when the best time to plant them or where you, when would they be in the nursery. I said, why don't you just root some? Folks, the Confederate roses, big, big, but cotton leaf mallow, whatever you want to call it, the great big pink flowers that go from red to pink to white, they root in water right now. As soon as they get a frost, they're going to get killed to the ground. Well, you can take pieces about as big around your finger and about a foot long and put them in two or three inches of water, and they will root with great big thick white ropey-looking roots, no problem at all. This is a good time to root Confederate rose. Now let's go to uh, Jackson. Hey, Jenny, good morning. Howdy. I am your neighbor over on Northview Drive with the Cottage Garden. You know, I was talking about you yesterday. Oh, good. 
good. I was, uh, you know, Jim Powell's a good friend of mine has got a garden, and the city is, is under attack, is saying he needs to clean it up. And I said, well, you know, there's me, there's Mark Patrick, there's Jenny, and they all know your garden, too. But they said it's different because yours looks like a garden, and his doesn't. Yes. We have a true cottage garden. Yes, indeed. I wanted to tell you about and your listeners about one of the benefits of a cottage garden. We lost our honeybees population for years, and this year they have returned like we have literally hundreds of honeybees in our garden this year. They're visiting the pink mums that are commonly blooming now. Oh, yeah. And the um, angel trumpets, Mm -hmm. the We've watched them each day going in and out of the blooms of the angel, angel <laughs> trumpet. Anyone who wants cuttings for angel trumpet plants, <laughs> feel free to visit my yard. I've got a forest of them. The angel trumpets and the confederate rose, all these things, they root in water. Yes, they root very easily. At least when I have limbs broken off, I usually stick them in a bucket of water and have rooted cuttings that I'm happy to give to other people. Well, Jenny, I want to stop by and visit you next week and talk with you about stuff. You have something to bloom every week of the year, and I really appreciate it, but we're out of time right now. Can I swing by and visit with you? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll stop by next week. Folks, you've been listening to the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Be careful. Be safe. Watch out for the little critters that are all dressed up. And make sure your night lighting is not shining in their face. Good weekend to get out and do some cleaning. I don't think I'd get dirty this week. I'd get dusty from raking leaves. Horticulture's fellow rushing. We'll be back with a gestalt gardener here on Public Broadcast, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Same time, same place next week. MPB. This is an MPB Think, Think Radio. Radio podcast. MPB mpbonline.org MPB Think Radio.